Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ego Check with the ID DM. I am your host, Michael Mallon, and I'm really excited today to be talking with Cedric Van Drupa. Uh, he is known as Ced Flanders on Twitter, and I've met him over the last couple of years just as I've gotten more interested in Hearthstone. And he posts a lot of interesting tweets about Hearthstone, uh, mainly about Arena and some other Hearthstone activities. And right now he is joining us from, I believe, a hotel room in Amsterdam at the Hearthstone right. uh, Championship. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm in a hotel room here in Amsterdam. It's not an ideal recording situation, but it is live from the World Championships. So, yes, bear with uh, us. Yeah. We're getting a live report from the World Championships. So very cool stuff. And where, now you're originally from Belgium. That's right, yeah. So it was a short drive to get up to Amsterdam. I think it took me like two hours to drive here. Okay, so that's that's convenient. So Yeah, and my native language is Dutch as well, so it's easy to uh, mingle with the locals here. And just to get an overview of like who you are and how you got involved in Hearthstone, mm -hmm. how, how long have you been, been playing Hearthstone? Uh, I've been playing Hearthstone, I believe I was living in China at the moment, and I played it just when it was released on iPad, which I believe was the first month that it was out of beta. So the launch month, basically. So you've been That's around for I a long time. Playing. Yeah, not since beta. I know that people who've been around often say I've been around since beta. I have I never joined the beta, but I think I joined up like the day it was officially released. And when you're not playing Hearthstone, what's your kind of day-to-day -day routine? I assume employed? What's your... Yeah, yeah. I work as a like emergency like disaster manager for the Brussels transportation companies or the Brussels Metro tram uh, buses system uh, in case there's some kind of a disaster or it doesn't have to be a huge disaster, just could be like an, a small accident as well. I coordinate the emergency services that arrive uh, on the scene and I make sure that the people from our company can work well together, provide all the information for a fire department, for a hospital, for a police department. And I make emergency plans for all kinds of possible disaster scenarios that could happen. And I see like how, if this scenario would happen, which is the best way for a company to react. And then I write it down and then we do exercises and things like that. So that's uh, basically my job. Wow, that sounds very important. Uh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> Brussels transportation has been in the news because of the terrorist attack. Yeah. Of course, a, a lot of work for, for us and also a big tragedy, of course. But there's lots of day-to-day um, -day things, you know, like small fires or uh, unfortunately a lot of suicide as well. And then mm. you have to enter... Um, intervention teams that have to uh, intervene and it can be confusing for a, a fire department or a police department to intervene in the metro system there's some dangers there we have a third rail that feeds the the electrical system of the metro which could also pause extra risks when you have to go into the tracks and things like that so i have to make sure i give trainings to police to um, fire departments about how to intervene and i train our people in the company about how to give the most useful information to the emergency services without being in the way basically yeah, it sounds like a lot of contingency and planning for the worst case scenario that you hope never comes. That's exactly what it is. I used to do it for the Belgian government as well, and then I got hired by this company as well. So I've been doing it from like an, uh, a macro perspective, um, seeing like how the laws are being created, how the whole procedure is made, and now from a more micro perspective, how one company has to apply these laws and how they can, uh, yeah, how they can function. Wow. Well, good luck with, with, with all that. I, I, Thank you. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it seems as I was listening to you talk about that, a lot of the skills that you probably use at your, at your job in terms of planning and thinking about possible outcomes and weighing yeah. risk-reward risk seems like it, it actually applies to playing Hearthstone a bit. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. There's obviously some slight differences. Sure. But it's true. You also you also plan for a potential disaster, except the disaster is maybe like a like a yaw coming down or something is the disaster rather than uh, than some actual disaster. But it's true. You have to be prepared for for the worst case scenario whilst also not being afraid to go ahead. Right. So if you if you play around everything, you won't you won't be able to do anything either. So you have to kind of calculate what's the what's the risk I'm facing here? How bad am I going to get punished? And it's a little bit the same. And uh, actually, I never thought about it. But now that you mention it, if you if you're running a metro system, 
if you want to avoid every single little possible thing that could go wrong, you would never let a train leave the depot because there's just too much that could go wrong. But at some point you have to say, okay, let's go. But the big disasters, you should still avoid them. So yeah, there's a little bit of a similarity there. Yeah. And I know, you know, in my work as, as a psychologist, I sometimes talk with patients about the idea of avoidance. And if you're if leaving the house makes you anxious, then one way to cope with that is to never leave the house. But then it, that has its own yeah. set of problems. So, yeah, if you play around everything, then you end up not playing anything and you don't win that way either. It's an interesting point. So yeah. I know some I, of the I other. Think Go ahead. No, in my arena, I, I tend to not play around a lot of things because, um, I mean, that's one of the reasons I'm sure we'll get to it, that um, in arena, the the probability of getting a certain card is very important. And it's very important to know what the odds are that a certain oppo that opponent will have a certain card. And right now in Arena, it's very uncertain because you have micro adjustments because the, it keeps changing day to day, basically. Mm -hmm. So at some point you're like, okay, if I don't have all the information, I'm not going to play around it and I'm just going to go for it because uh, otherwise you'll never, you'll never win. Right. And so some of the other people that I've met through Twitter who have gotten very much involved in Hearthstone come from either a background of playing Magic the Gathering or some people have played competitive poker in the past. And was there anything that set a foundation for you to get involved in Hearthstone? Not really. I think um, I, I, I did play a little bit of Magic the Gathering in high school, but really not much. Um, I, I did play chess a bit just for fun i never did it in a competitive way mm -hmm. um the mo most games i've been playing a little bit competitively are um real-time strategy games so like age of empires 2 and uh starcraft and things like that not mm -hmm. onto the korean crazy level but you know those were the games i would consider myself to be good at mm -hmm. um and they obviously also involve a lot of planning but not to the like it's not it's still different from uh from card games where Okay, in Hearthstone, you have a timer, you have the rope, but basically you usually have enough time to think about what you do, whereas in, in real-time strategy, at least, you'll spend a, a lot of time reacting as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. And so what was it about Hearthstone back in the, right after it came out on the iPad that caught your attention? I'm not so sure. I think at the beginning, I remember, like, one of my first packs, I opened Golden Jaraxxus. Okay. Uh, and it's just such a cool card to play with. And um, so I played with that for a bunch. Uh, and that was like, you, you only had the classic set, basically. So there were not that many cards. So Golden Jaraxxus was pretty much as fancy as you can get for a card out just when the game just launched. And then after a while, I was like, okay, I've played all the Jaraxxus that I can. And then I dusted my Golden Jaraxxus and allowed me to basically get all the cards I wanted um, for some of the basic decks I wanted to try. Um, what I like the most, I know certain people really like the, um, what we see right now in the World Championships. It's like 16 people bring slightly different variations of Kazakus Priest. Mm -hmm. uh, I never really liked the, the like finding an edge in, in like the very competitive decks, and it's it's not really the thing for me. I what I like mostly in the game is deck building, coming up with ideas of how I'm going to build a deck. Um, that's why I like Arena, Arena so much, because you start every game by building a deck, basically. Um, I often think that it's something that's undervalued by the Hearthstone developers, maybe. I would like uh, um, some competition where, for example, there would be a tournament right after new set releases, or maybe there would be only a subset of cards available. Challenge Stone is a little bit like that, if you ever watched it, mm -hmm. uh, where they give different rules and really value the, the deck building skill. Uh, whereas right now, I feel like mostly uh, it's it's about being able to play the game well and being able to execute a certain deck well. And the rules it provides to you turn after turn, especially in arena. Every arena turn is a little bit of a puzzle about, okay, what's the most optimal way of playing this turn? Uh, what could possibly happen? How am I going to react? And that's that's what keeps me going. Not any kind of big goal, but like the day-to-day the -day or turn-by-turn -turn goals that you face when you when you play the game. You see, like, okay, this person probably has Dragon Fire Potion in their hands. What is the best way for me to play around it now? And yeah, that's interesting. And I think even in competitive and in a, in arena, one of the things that you know I try to be thoughtful about when I'm playing is 
being aware of, you know, big removal spells or, and trying to, in some ways you want to lure those out, but still save enough that you don't get totally wiped off the board. And it's always a little bit of a, again, risk management of how much do I commit? What's going to happen if everything gets cleared? And then how can I come back? And I think that it's a little bit more at times unknown in arena because you don't quite know what other people have. I, I think it, Something I think we can just dive into now is the difference between the competitive ladder ranked landscape and playing arena. Uh, one of the things I really appreciated this past week, and there's a Twitter thread about it that I'll, I'll post again, uh, where I had asked you to help me draft a, a deck in arena. And I sent you a screenshot of each card along the way, and we were going back and forth about why should I take this card and how would the deck work? And I think I landed to get it up four wins with it, which was, you know, I was happy with. Um, it was a shaman deck, but like that, I'm finding arena more interesting now. I think since I got to legend for the first time last year, the motivation to just keep grinding month after month for uh, a high rank just isn't as alluring right now. And I think the dungeon run mode really just got me into this idea of deck building. And I really love that mode, had a ton of fun with it. And then I think the next closest thing is arena. And it's just a really interesting way to play the game because you see so many different combinations that you really would never run into in competitive where you're facing really the same four or five decks just over and over again. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing, right? It's the same decks over and over. Uh, I don't want to uh, say that, that there's nothing to competitive or to ranked uh, play because it does allow you to try combo decks, which you can't do in Arena. You cannot. You have to be extremely lucky to get all the synergies to make uh, a specific demon deck or dragon deck or whatever you want to try. Um, I've gotten Legend a couple of times last year as well, mostly with um, a, dra uh, a dragon combo deck, so Inner Fire uh, Divine Spirit. Uh, that would, of course, be completely impossible in Arena. So I think actually in my wins now, I'm at about six or 7,000 wins in both Arena and Constructed. So I think I play the game kind of evenly, although it means that I actually play more Constructed because, of course, your win rate in Arena, well, at least my win rate in Arena is much higher than my Constructed win rate because Constructed, you would be happy to have like a little bit over 50% win rate or 55 or maybe 60, whereas uh, in uh, arena right now, my average for this month after 25, no, after 20 runs is about seven. So that's a much higher win rate, nice. um, which is of course fun. I mean, it's fun to win, right? So I think everybody would agree that it's like, if you play some kind of fun deck on ladder, I mean, the deck by itself can be fun, but if you lose game after game against top tire, uh, constructed decks, the fun kind of disappears as well. And that's, that's kind of the problem. It's cool to experiment. Um, but what Hearthstone is lacking is, I think, a real casual mode where you couldn't even receive gold because in the current casual mode, you still get gold if you win. So people are still grinding even casual mode. Mm -hmm. I really like a, a mode where you can just exper experiment and just try out stuff and don't get punished by, by Kazakus Priest or a, a Face Hunter when you try to, to try, when you try to do some new cool combinations. Uh, yeah, and Arena really allows you to uh, not be in this this kind of situation where it's turn two, you've seen one card played by the opponent, you already know there are 29 other cards, you already know pretty much if you won or lost the game sometimes because so much stuff, matchups can be really favorable or unfavorable, mm -hmm. and it's kind of depressing sometimes, especially in December, December last year, I, uh, I got to, to Legend, December 2017, and afterwards I was just like I don't run a play ladder for a while anymore because I face the same matchup so many times. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's a bit depressing. I wish the I wish the developers could do something to to somehow force some variation in the in the in the decks people play. But I guess it's the mode where you try to have the highest wins, and yeah, there's not much you can do about it. Well, and I definitely want to come back to Arena, but that this idea of competition and the different skills required for for Hearthstone, I as you know, want to get your sense of what is it like being there at the World Championship? Tell me about the venue and just how many people are there. Okay. So actually, it was a big difference between today and yesterday. Okay. Uh, on Friday, I guess Friday is still a work day. Um, and also the competition goes on. So Saturday, Sunday, especially tomorrow is when the World Champion will be decided. Uh, I think there were a little bit less people. I mean, it was still full. The the main event was still completely packed. But there's... um. So basically, if you come inside uh, the big building, there's a main 
hall on the right, which is where the casters are, which is where the stage are, where the crowd are. That's basically what you see when you when you watch Twitch. Uh, it's this hall, and that's always been packed every single day. But then to the other side of the building, there's other uh, places. So there's a theater, which is basically a, a cinema that just projects what you can see on Twitch. Mm -hmm. There's um, a tavern where you can eat and drink, and there's a... Uh, tournaments going on. There's a big tournament every day for the first 150 people who sign up, and then there's quick play tournaments going on throughout the day. There's panels, people talking, developers talking, players talking about um, about the, the game and about what they like and about the development process. So there's definitely other things going on during the day. The main event is always uh, packed. And right now, on, on Saturday, especially the game uh, Frozen, played uh, just now his, uh, the game that went 3-2 um, I believe where mm -hmm. Frozen uh, won where he said he had 10% chance to go on the, the hallway was completely packed you couldn't you could certainly couldn't sit down you couldn't even stand anymore the whole place was completely packed uh, the atmosphere was amazing uh, yeah I can't really compare it to anything because this is the first time I went to this kind of an event but hearing from people who have been to a lot of these events, they say this is quite special. The venue is really nice and the atmosphere is really great. So, yeah, I'm really I'm really enjoying it. Also, I got to meet so many of the Hearthstone personalities. You probably saw it on my uh, Twitter feed with the iPad I had signed by. A, yeah, I just retweeted that out. Players. So how did that yeah. how did that idea start? Well, I uh, I was just thinking, OK, uh, I would like I know I get the, the card back from um uh, from going to this event, there's a specific card back for uh, HCT championships. So I'm going to get that card back. So I thought that would be a nice souvenir from the from the event, but it's an in-game souvenir, which is already great in itself. Then I thought, okay, well, can I, could I have something signed? But it felt so stupid just to get something signed. And then I thought, but how about if I get my iPad signed? Because it's kind of valuable. So it's not just a little piece of paper or a poster. Mm -hmm. And it's immediately linked to Hearthstone. It's the device I use the most to play Hearthstone on. It's the reason why I got LTE on this iPad that I'm using right now to talk to you. Um, so it's really my Hearthstone device. It can come with me anytime. And whenever I have some time, I can play some arena, especially months like these where I'm going for the arena leaderboards. Uh, it's hard to get in 30 runs because if you have a 30 run month with a 70%, well, like 70% win rate, so you need seven wins, that's like 300 games you already played because it's seven wins and three losses, right? So it's right. 10 games per run. So it's 300 games. That's a lot. And so you need to be able to play it pretty much wherever you go in between your job and my and your relationship and, and all those things. So, yeah, it's very closely linked to my to my Hearthstone uh, playing uh, experience. And so to have that signed by everybody seemed like it would make it quite a, quite fun. Whenever I play Hearthstone, I know I have all these people who signed the devices I'm playing the Hearthstone on right then. So this link between getting something signed, but it's immediately linked to Hearthstone is why I wanted to do it. And then when I posted it, I saw there was a lot of reaction. So I guess people hadn't really thought of that yet to have, I didn't see anybody else getting their iPad or their computer signed. So I thought it was a cool idea and uh, yeah, I really liked it. You're a trendsetter. Yes, absolutely. So you got... I'm sure there have been people before. <laughs> so you got uh, Ben Brode and uh, Frodan and who, who were some of the other folks that you got to sign it? Yeah, so actually, I posted this picture, but afterwards I still got uh, some more signatures. So I got Firebat and Tice, who is uh, who I saw just like just bumped into at the end of the building. Uh, I got Ben Broad first. He was just standing there against the wall, and there was nobody talking to him. I was like, "Hey Ben, how's it going?" And I was actually playing Arena at the time, so I was on my iPad and I was playing Arena. I was I was going ten one at the time, and so it's quite okay. I want to get the signature, but I'm also I also care about my win rate in Arena, especially this month. So I was like, I need to keep winning this game, but I also need to get the signature at the same time. So he was actually signing my my iPad, and I was still playing Arena on it. And then I had to quickly finish my turn and uh, kept going. So Ben Bro, if you looked on the picture, it's right under the Apple logo. That was fairly orderly written. Right. And so I had the him, and then I uh, just whenever I bumped into somebody, I would just talk to them. For example, I, I recognized uh, Trollden just sitting, like also just standing around talking to, to some friends. 
Uh, and he was super nice. I, he was talking to me for a while. He was interested where I live, where what I was doing, what he what I thought about his channel. He actually, this might be uh, a little bit of a scoop, but he said I should watch out on his uh, Twitter feed on February 1st because he will make a special announcement. I don't know if he has announced this anywhere yet, but uh, I guess maybe we should check that out. So yeah, it was just fun to talk to the people and it's a way in, you know, like it's a way to get to start to talk to those people. Because otherwise, what are you going to say? You know, you don't really have anything to say. So I've, I've kind of used it as an excuse to just get talking with all these people as well. And it gives me a nice souvenir in the end. So I think all in all, I'm happy with the way it uh, turned out. Maybe I'll get some more tomorrow, but the iPad is actually pretty full right, right. now. <laughs> Running out of space. You have to get a different yeah. color or something. Uh, start writing on the screen. <laughs> yes, there you go. So would you say there's hundreds, thousands of people there? I'm trying to like picture the size of the arena. Or the uh, event. Yeah, I would say I would say thousands. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, there's like a theater for a couple of hundred people, and then there's the tavern where you have a couple of hundred people, and then I would say you have at least a thousand people in the main hall. Mm -hmm. So I would say maybe like yeah, two thousand maybe. I I'm, but I'm I'm not the best at judging sure. crowds, but plus people are running around everywhere. But I would guess something like that. Okay, it sounds like a great atmosphere. How did you go about? Getting tickets, because I, I never think these things are even anywhere reasonably close to me in Minnesota. So tickets go on sale and you bought them, or how did that work? Well, normally they're never anywhere near me in Belgium either. So yeah. I, I've considered sometimes going to California once for BlizzCon, because it seemed like I have some friends in California, and it seemed like a fun trip to do. But that was that's on the other side of the world for me. Mm -hmm. Um and then when I saw Amsterdam, I mean, it's a two-hour drive to get here. Um, it's super easy. Um, I thought they're never going to come even closer. I don't think next year's World Championship will be in Brussels, so I need to go now or I'll never go. If I don't make it two-hour drive from my home, then I'm never going to make it, especially it's not just a, a fireside tavern or a small tournament. It's the finals of the World Championship. It's the biggest tournament you can get in Hearthstone. So there was no excuse I had to go. So I immediately... Took some time off from work. I told my girlfriend, look, I'm going to go to Amsterdam. If you want to come along, <laughs> you can come along. But I have to warn you, I will be at this uh, video game convention <laughs> tournament thing for pretty much the whole day. So if you're cool with that, you can come along since the hotels are booked anyway. But she uh, she actually was still excited about going and she invited some other friends. So now uh, it kind of split up. I, I don't uh, like we split up during the day. I don't, uh, she goes shopping and hanging out with her friends and then we meet up in the evening for uh, going to a restaurant and things like that. Um, I also, it starts at 8 a.m. every day. Mm -hmm. um, I, I don't think that's a very gamer friendly time to start an event. So usually I don't make it at 8 a.m. Most of the matches don't start that time anyway. So I come in a bit later and they give you these bracelets to go uh, in and out of the venue. So by then the line has to disappear. There's tons of security though that you have to go through and then, yeah, then you're in. And that's basically mm -hmm. the, uh, the event. And then you you can just go wherever you like and join some tournament. I actually played with Pavel today. We did like uh, Cannon's Flutter, the, the little, like, you play against a computer versus another team that plays against a computer, but it's a combination of Hearthstone and, like, how do you call it? Battleship? Okay. Um, or I, and, and there was this, like, uh, Pavel sitting there, the reigning world champion for one more day, and I was just like, oh, so I'm just going to sit right next to you, and we're going to play together. And he was super competitive about winning this friendly game against the other sure. the other opponent. He was, like, super competitive about winning this, this thing, and I was like, I don't understand. You're the world champion. You've played so many big tournaments. How can you be so competitive about this kind of, uh, this is just a fun side activity. But he was like, he was really into it. So yeah, I was surprised. I guess he's just a super competitive person. I think you need to be in order to become uh, somebody like Pavel and uh, play Harsen all the time and be amazing at it. And, and so watching these games, watching the, and I've watched some of them on Twitch. I've you know been busy and the time difference. It's, I haven't been able to catch too many of, of the games, yeah. but just being there and, and watching some of these folks who are very prominent, like on Twitter and they have their own channels and some of them have certainly been in the, you know, championship tournaments before kind of, what do you think are the qualities that get these people here to this point? What makes them different from just the folks who pick up Hearthstone and casually play it or maybe even play it every day, but you know, they're not at the world championship. What do you think the difference is? I think they they know how to turn off their autopilot. They they can every turn they play, 
they say, what is the best move here? Even a, a play they've made a thousand times before, they will say, okay, is this on this turn? I know I have these cards. I know this, they form this combo and that it's really good. But is it actually the best possible thing I could do right now? Whereas I feel like worse players like me, we would just play play the combo because we've done it so many times and kind of play on autopilot. Whereas I feel like they're always critical towards every every move they make. And I think that's the main the main difference. And also experience of course but i feel like this this constant being open to all possibilities especially with the the random effects you have in hearthstone these days cards that could be discovered cards that could be uh somehow like gotten into the deck through a death rattle effect or through a discover effect uh considering all possibilities and only then making a certain play also thinking three four five turns ahead that would be the difference i'm sure you and I, like, we could beat these players uh, occasionally. It's not, if you have the good cards and you, you draw well, there's not much, even with the most planning that you can that you can do if somebody uh, shadow steps uh, uh, on turn two with, uh, what's the two Cal- drop again? Kalasat. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So just at some point, you're just overpowered. But I feel like they think ahead so much um, in a way that I just don't, and I think most people don't. And I was just, I was, I kind of tweeted something out like this today, just thinking with the format, I think the format of the, the tournament has changed over the years. And as a spectator and as someone who's you know, certainly competitive more on the arena side, but you've hit legend several times. What are your yeah. thoughts about the current format? Do you think it's fair? Do you think it's, would you change it? What are, what are your thoughts? What do you mean with the current format? The 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 bands and the yeah, just the in, way you choose decks. So. Yeah, just in terms of how how decks are chosen, and I think the deck lists are kind of published ahead of time, and you know it seems like the series are kind of brief. It feels like I don't know. I just wondering just what your thoughts are. I personally don't like it that they that they give the deck list ahead of time. I think it's because of that you're going to get the same decks all the time because you you will put the strongest deck you can possibly think of in your lineup whereas if the deck list is not published in time uh, ahead of time then you could put some surprises in your deck and this has actually happened in the previous years in the world championships where some people pack in some cards that the others don't know about and you only know about it once it has been played uh, in one of the games in the same tournament and i thought it's a very exciting aspect of the game so publishing the deck list in advance, I suppose it's considered fair, but as a for the spectators at least, uh, I don't think it's a very good uh, idea. And the same thing goes for not not um, nerfing cards or not changing anything about the game in the weeks before a tournament. Uh, it's always said, yes, it's not fair to the people who have prepared, and uh, we can't change anything. That's why quite often patches go live. Not patches the pirate, but patches right. the game. Yeah, they they've never they've never nerfed him. They haven't nerfed him yet. Yeah, yeah, but they go live uh, after big tournaments, right? There's a big patch coming in after this um, championship as well, I believe, mm-hmm. in the next couple of weeks. But I feel like, okay, if you're the best Hearthstone player in the world, you should be able to handle uh, some card getting nerfed three weeks before the tournament, as long as your, of course, your decklist shouldn't be locked in yet. But I feel like take some. Ask something from your players, and they have to be, you know, show that they're amazing at Hearthstone and that they can incorporate these changes to the game uh, as quickly as possible. And it's also a skill. It's maybe not the skill of playing the game, uh, but I would like to to have more variety, keep the deck secret, and allow people to make changes until two hours before the game, and then lock in the decks. And then I think it will lead to more variety and more surprises in the in the game. So that's how I would change it. Yeah, I was watching, you know, and I think for the most part, there's, I, th- I think everybody brought Rosakis Priest and Tempo Rogue. Not everybody, but, but most people. Most yeah. people, Tempo Rogue, I think, is very much uh, prevalent. Uh, mm-hmm. Control Warlock and these decks that, I mean, really, if you were to look at something like Vicious Syndicate, like the the top decks according to their win rate and, and stats that I've talked to those folks in the past, um, like a lot of those decks are are there. And it, I don't know how much of it becomes, this is just a showcase for the best decks in the game versus this is a showcase for the best players. I think it's a little bit of both, certainly. But I don't know. Like, I'd, It'd be interesting to see other skills on display. Uh, like you said, like people either drafting cards or putting together decks or doing something else to crown a world champion rather than 
the current format. I mean, it's entertaining. I like it. And I think it's great. But I just wonder if there was another way that would yeah. be a little bit more compelling and fair. Or maybe just uh, uh, force every participant to have to bring it back from every class. For example, we've right. seen zero. We've seen zero paladins in the whole tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think we've seen some uh, any. I've seen one hunter, but very little. Um, so yeah, if, if everybody was forced to bring some decks uh, from every class, it would already force some variety. And it's really best of best of five, correct? Each each round. When the players face each other, I mean, yeah, you have to win. You have to win three games. So yeah, that's the is that best of five? Yeah. Yeah. So and just some of the games, it seems like if you and it, you mentioned this that sometimes your opponent just draws the best possible cards in order for the combination they want to play on tempo, and there's not too much you can do about it. And so if you run into one of those games, and it kind of totally changes the series, and does that mean the one player is better than the other? I don't know. I I, I think. Yeah, I think that's a problem for Hearthstone right now. I think the process of getting to the last 16 players is pretty good because there's so many tournaments leading up to it. Uh, but then once you get to those last 16, there's a lot of luck involved, I think. In, uh, I think all these players could beat each other depending on how they draw their cards. And a lot of it, if you had known the order in which people would draw their cards, I think... A lot of pro players could, for every game, correctly predict who is going to win the game. So at some point, I think you get to such a high level of play mm -hmm. that people basically don't make any misplays anymore. Uh, and at that point, if you show people the cards and the, the discover options ahead of time, I think people would correctly, I mean, pro players would correctly find the answer. And so, so you've been playing Hearthstone. It's been out for about three years, I think, as a, as a yeah, game. Yeah, something like that. And so I, especially folks who sometimes get very frustrated playing and sometimes losing the game. And I wrote a long article about how to manage <laughs> anger while playing, yeah. while playing Hearthstone a few months back. How much of the game do you feel is skill versus random luck? And every collectible card game has a mixture of both. But what are your thoughts about Hearthstone? I read that article. It was very, very well written. Um, the, oh, thank you. I think um, I think the luck factor is overstated. I know I just said that um, luck is an important factor in the World Championship, but that's because we're talking about the top level of players already. Mm -hmm. um, so at that point, I don't think there's that much of a skill difference between those players. But I think luck is overstated, and people like to uh, blame bad luck rather than investigating their misplays uh, when they lose, or that's... The old argument when people don't have full card collections and they lose to a legendary card is like, oh, pay to win, and this uh, this Leroy is overpowered and things like that. Um, I think very often there are some random effects, but the way you, you deal with them will decide how you win the game. And there is certainly some luck involved, but um, the way you handle less than ideal situations is a very important skill. And I've known quite often in Arena, therefore, to draft some card that is not something you would like to pick. Uh, you pick it anyway, and then you try to find ways to make the best of it. Um, and you try to, uh, if you lose a game, try to see, okay, what could I have done better uh, to improve the game? Just certain aspects or look. And so don't try to focus on those. Okay, this part, okay. Yeah. The most obvious example is, is Rack when it still existed. Okay, I had seven minions on board and he, he hit my face. Okay, that's bad luck. But a lot of other reasons why you lost. Like, okay, maybe turn two, I should have played this three drop instead of this three drop, and then I played around this thing a little bit more often, and things like that. So I, I think people like to blame RNG or bad luck when they lose, and it's certainly a factor. But RNG should balance out over time, and I think it's no uh, coincidence that the same players tend to do well at tournaments, do well on ladder, uh, because actually over time... The RNG balances out, and the skill remains. I certainly agree with with that. I think when I first started playing, it felt it felt more random. Uh, and I think one of the skills that that helped me, or one of the ideas that just helped me not get so frustrated by the game when I got into a losing streak, and I think also made me a better player, is this idea of, you know, I lost that game because of how did I contribute to losing, rather than oh, I just that was bad luck. 
And then you start to look at the different decisions you are making. It's the bad luck that's tilting, right? It's it, people tilt because they think they have bad luck. Right. They don't. If they realize that something was because of their uh, error, then then it's less tilting because it's something you can work on, right? Yeah, like there was an arena game recently where I lost, and it was kind of frustrating. But I was like looking back at how I started the early game, and I was way too passive early <clears throat> early in that game, and it just set me behind so by the time it got later in the game it just things had snowballed but it started at turn two <laughs> when i could have started to do things a little I differently think, i think this is a very common mistake for arena players is to play too conservatively uh even though right now we are in kind of in a control meta in arena quite often face is still the place and you it's certainly now if you face a priest if you face uh the Classes that you know have these insane late game cards like uh, um, mind control or, or things like that. If you play too slowly, especially when the um, before the the death knights were banned from arena, the death knights create enormous value over time. And then if you play too too slowly when you don't have one of those cards in your deck, and then in the end you get beaten by one of those death knights or by a by a huge swing from a, a priest AOE or something like that you say, oh, it's not fair they had this card, but actually when you face these classes, you should know that you have to push damage and sometimes take some risks and uh, because you know you can't survive the late game. And I feel like people in Arena, they love, maybe because of how Arena used to be, it used to be very minion-focused, very trading-focused. Uh, people just don't take any risks anymore, and then uh, then they, get, they don't have the control cards to back up that game plan. So when did they ban the Death Knight cards? That was, uh, yeah, so the Death Knights were entered in when the Knights of the Frozen Throne released, and I think it was maybe like a month or a month and a half afterwards that they were banned from Arena. Because I just had they a could, game... They can still be discovered. Yes, because I just... Was they saying, can still be discovered. Yeah, I had a person who played the, the Lotus card. That I think it's a five drop, and you can discover mm-hmm. a rogue played it, and then all of a sudden they were Malfurion. <laughs> I was like, well, this game was fun. Yeah. <laughs> I, this is another very important skill in arena, in arena. It's not a skill. It's just discover effects are extremely powerful in Arena because you have a certain a certain rate at which cards are uh, displayed. So obviously you know that rare cards appear less often than commons and epics appear less often, legendary uh, less often than that. Uh, but discover is heavily favored towards um, class cards and disregards rarity if you want to get good class cards discover effect just prevent the whole arena uh system of of avoiding legendary cards avoiding high impact class cards because now with the micro transaction system certain cards such as flanking strike for hunter for example they are being reduced because of micro uh, not micro transactions micro adjustments but the discover effect is just the same discover effect as in constructed so all the discover cards are very valuable in arena because arena gets modified according to win rate. So certain cards have very high win rate will appear less and less often. But if you discover them, they're not impacted by these micro adjustments. So that's the, the, the value of discover in arena. And the same thing goes for uh, the death knights. Like they are very powerful cards. I don't think they're too powerful because like I said, people just don't play aggressively enough, right. but they are very, uh, they're very good, obviously. And that's why it's, so the the Prima two two that lets you discover a card, or some other discover cards like the the Lotus one you talked about, they tend to be very strong in arena because they avoid these ways that the developers have balanced arena. Yeah, and I know I've had um, Stonehill Defender, the the one four taunt that discovers oh, another yeah. taunt, and there's been a bunch of times where I've played that and you get a Tyrion or a Lich King or something, and it's it's a nice uh, yeah. nice card to add or, to your deck or, for that or, game. Or uh, Ren, Ren right now. Ren and Warlock, the legendary mm-hmm. uh, that lets you uh, destroy the other guy's deck, is also a taunt. So you discover because it's a class card, and certain classes have very few taunts. Uh, you say that if you are doing an arena draft and you see a card compared to two other cards, unless some kind of massive AOE, you probably. So your advice for folks who are trying to get better at arena when they have their choices, unless there's like a clear favorite to pick a card that is uh, has a discover mechanic. Yeah, especially right now, it's very control-heavy. Uh, anything that generates 
cards is extremely powerful. Also, this um, four mana three three that gives you a potion. I, I'm sorry, I'm bad with card names. I know what they do, but I forget their name. <laughs> um, so that card is extremely powerful in arena as well. And anything that can generate a card because it's just so much value in arena. And the games in uh, constructed are too short to take advantage of all this card generation and value. But right now in arena, it's very value oriented. Anything that generates cards is amazing uh, in arena right now. Unless you go, the few the few classes that can still go aggro or hunter and paladin. Uh, but if you don't have one of those two classes, basically you play a value game. Yeah, and that's one of the interesting things. I think it's one of the reasons I avoided arena. Well, one certainly is it's a different skill set to be able to to draft a deck and build it. But the games tend to take longer, and I usually just like to sneak in a game here and there throughout the day, or if I'm walking on the treadmill, I like to get in a bunch of games rather than just playing one or two. So I tend to play more aggressive decks, and on ladder, that's useful, because if your win rate's relatively the same, why not play a deck that the games last seven minutes instead of 15? But the arena games last certainly longer, it seems for me, so... It, it was a bit of a barrier, yeah. but now I kind of enjoy the strategy of it because it's different puzzles each game. And like I said before, it's not the same, okay, I'm facing Razakis Priest again. Can I get in before they get Anduin and all this stuff? Like I had a game just yesterday because I had sent you the picture. I was like, should I draft Yogg? <laughs> and it, oh, yeah, I remember. It probably wasn't the best choice, but I was like, ah, this will be fun, and I'll try to make it work. And I, uh-huh. it was my first game in arena so i was zero zero and i was going up against the mage and the mage i played against played yag which i just thought was hilarious i was like oh they drafted them too <laughs> so then a few turns later i play yag which got mirror entity because he had a secret up and then they molten reflection the their yag so they had two of them then they attacked my face with one of their yags which got vaporized and then the other Yaga was able to destroy, and I ended up winning the game, but it was ridiculous. that They ended up fatiguing. I had two cards left. It took forever, but it was fun. It was just this goofy game that I certainly made mistakes along the way, but I was like happy to win it. But I just enjoyed the experience of playing Hearthstone in a different way. Than... Yeah, it's just it's a story, right? You can tell me the story, uh, but how... Often, can you really tell a story about a tempo rogue versus a Kazakus priest? Like it's been done so many times that you kind of know how the game goes. But in an arena, anything goes. And you also discover all these interactions between cards that no constructed player ever really plays with. Like the last couple of arena runs, I've noticed um, this uh, synergy between the four mana card that has stealth that buffs all your other cards. I think it's Sneaky Devil. Sneaky Devil, um, yeah. And then uh, Void Ripper, which is the three mana, three, three, that switches the stats on your on all your cards. And so I tend to play this on four. It buffs my board. And then the next turn, or if, the same turn if I'm later in the game, you switch it around so you get permanent extra health on all your, um, on all your minions. And those are just the kind of fun interactions that it's not good enough for constructed but it can be very powerful in arena to play those kind of things and um, during your draft sometimes and sometimes even during your game you suddenly discover wait a second this has amazing amazing synergy with some of the other cards i have and you would have never noticed anything like that in constructed yeah i tend i it takes a game or two to realize oh this is how i should be playing this deck and i think the more i play arena i'll maybe figure that stuff out earlier um, but it seems like every time I put a deck together, the first game, maybe I kind of struggle and get a win. And then I'm, it sort of, it takes a little while for me to figure out, oh, here's how I should be playing these cards together. It kind of, it kind of depends on the, on the, like, usually when you click your hero, like you choose one of the three heroes, mm-hmm. you have in your head an idea of what the deck is that you want to create. It doesn't always work out, but like a Hunter and a Paladin deck, you probably want to go low-cost minions and uh, some good spells, and then it's not as aggro as it used to be. If you play Priest or Mage or Warlock, you're going to want to go with Control. And then if the draft goes the way you plan, then you have a deck where it's very obvious what your game plan is. You're going to play card advantage, or you're going to play tempo or something like that. The problem is when the, de- when the 
the drafting goes worse, then it's kind of unclear exactly how you can play your, uh, play your deck. And usually the decks where it's clear for you from the start how you're going to play, those are the ones that will go very high win rate. And so you've mentioned a few times about the current meta in, uh, in Arena and how it shifts over time. And cer- certainly I've been, as a, as a ranked player primarily, been reading the Vicious Syndicate reports each week, and they have a very clear meta report and do a great job of saying, here are the decks that are strong right now, here's why. Um, but with Arena, it doesn't seem like it's as clear to me, like what I should or shouldn't be doing and how to draft. So how do you put together that knowledge for yourself? Are there sites you go to, or is it just experience? It's especially unclear right now. Mm-hmm. Like It used to be quite clear. For example, during the the portal meta, so the, the time when mages were extremely strong with their... Um, the unstable um, portal? Was it? No, the... How was it called? The seven mana portal? Oh, mage? Firelands portal. Firelands yeah, portal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when that... That was in the... In that expansion, Mage was extremely strong, and you knew how to play it. And I think I went like five, twelve wins in a row at some point. Oh wow! But it's um, it was just there were so many OP cards, and at that point, um, Blizzard would just not touch Arena. The rules for Arena only started changing in the in the last year. So the first time uh, micro adjustment happened, or changes specifically to Arena happened, or things like that, it all happened in 2017. So before that, you would get a certain release, and it would be quite obvious after a while um what the meta was which classes were the strongest which cards were the strongest so then you could still really say there was a certain meta related to a certain expansion or a certain adventure Uh, right now it's a lot harder because of these micro adjustments that are being done um they were supposed to be only five to ten percent changes so basically for the people who don't know yet the micro adjustments are um when you have a certain expansion release right now arena follows the standard format so there's no more wild cards in arena mm-hmm. um and all the cards are supposed to be offered via a certain rate so you have uh, according to the rarities cards will be offered more or less often and then spells get bonuses weapons get bonuses class cards get bonuses and the most recent expansion gets a bonus so that's still easy to wrap your head around but then there's an algorithm at Blizzard that starts looking at win rates and sees like, okay, when people draft, um, for example, uh, Psychic Scream, they tend to have a much higher win rate. So they will start lowering the offering odds on Psychic Scream. And it could have a very big impact on your um, on the drafts because at some point, certain cards that are of a higher rarity, so more rare than other cards, they, you're going to start seeing them more often because the micro adjustments on these uh, on some of the other cards have been so severe that they almost never get offered anymore. Uh, I believe when I was listening to the the podcast from uh, Grinning Goats, the Lightforce podcast, mm-hmm. which is by the way one of the things I would recommend if you want to be good at Arena as well, because these guys spend a lot of time analyzing the Arena meta. Um, that they mentioned that, uh, for example, Eviscerate from Rogue, which has been a common card for ages and is a spell and is a class card so it should get all the bonuses uh was being offered less often than call of the wild uh which is a epic uh, hunter spell so it should be offered much less often so these uh, micro adjustments can have a big impact i don't think if you're a beginning arena player you should worry too much about it right. um i don't worry that much about it either um, but it's important to know on a general level which classes are good and or bad. For example, for Hunter in December, they were the best class in Arena, and then they got hit really hard by the micro adjustments. Uh, so all their good cards, their Spellstone, their Flanking Strike, uh, went down enormously in their offering rates. So now when you start a Hunter draft, you're much less likely to get these cards. And because of that, the class has just become way worse in Arena. So I don't think people should be worrying about knowing for every single card what the offering rate is, but the overall idea is like, okay, which classes are good, which classes are bad? Um, and that's something that's definitely important once you decide which uh, which class to pick. And then afterwards, just to get a general idea, I don't use tire lists or something like that when I draft. I just I think my whole drafting process for an arena deck takes about 15 seconds or something. I just rush to a draft. That's probably not a good thing to do. It's just a habit. <laughs> it seems to be um, working out well for you if your average win is like seven point something and you got multiple 12 wins. So you're doing something right. 
but still, like, I've definitely noticed, like, the last couple of days, my win rate has gone down, probably because I'm distracted. I'm playing at the World Championships, and I'm often distracted by what's going on on the screens. Um, you're, but, you're palling around yeah, with Ben so, Brode while playing. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, that's definitely one thing that people could do to get better at arena is just look at the tire lists, not to make the tire list let, not so that you just, I don't say blindly follow the tire list because if you think something would be good, just try it. And the tire list don't, there's differences, sometimes huge differences between the value one tire list puts on a certain card compared to another tire list. Uh, but it definitely helps to get, um, to just have a look at it, even when you're not drafting, just read, for example, the, the Lightforge tire list and look at, do I see anything strange in this list? Is a certain card really bad or really good where I would have thought that was the other way around? Um, for example, one thing that I found surprising when I read the tire list is that naturalized uh, the Druid one-mana removal is considered a very good arena card, which is... As a constructed habit, you think this is terrible. I'm giving my opponent two cards, but Druid has basically no removal. Uh, and so it's actually a good card in Arena sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, so just have a look at the list and see like, okay, obviously if you see Firelands Portal, it's high. I would expect it to be high. That's okay. Um, but if you see certain cards that are rated extremely low or extremely high compared to other to what you would have expected, maybe think about, okay, why is this card rated so so low or so so high maybe it's low because the the expected synergy is extremely low uh things like that and then kind of internalize those those rankings a little bit but don't blindly follow them if you feel like something else would be better just go for it the one card that's really surprised me as you were talking about the the, the tier list and just again playing arena you see a lot of cards that you just never can you never see and constructed is the the rogue spellstone so I've been yeah. I've been wrecked by that a couple of times <laughs> in games where I thought oh, I have this game in the bag. This person's rolling dead. I, I'm so far ahead, and then all of a yeah. sudden they play this charged up spell zone that knocks off two big minions of mine, and I'm like, I have I have no plan B. I'm done. <laughs> it's, it yeah. it seems like there should be a way for that to be viable in ladder with how strong it seems in arena but with tempo rogue being so strong it's not like rogue needs a new rogue option but i don't know what what are your thoughts about that card yeah that card it's um i think it's mostly in the beginning when the when it's a new expansion once you've been like you say you've been wrecked by a couple of times you're going to start remembering and playing around it uh but yeah the card that has gotten me a couple of times is the crushing walls thing from hunter yes. the seven mana spell that yeah that destroys it's kind of similar to the rogue spellstone uh, in the sense that you think you have a solid board you don't think there's a good removal for it and then they just remove it um yeah so these cards i think they're strong in arena for sure i think yeah too slow for constructed probably mm -hmm. Uh, even though in constructed the rogue spell, I, I believe it upgrades with death rattle plays, right? So yes. you could combine it more easily um, with uh, in a constructed game because you can just put your your deck full of death rattles. But yeah, those are definitely the cards you start looking out for. Um, uh, after a while, I would say you you once you've lost it a couple of times, you get used to it pretty quickly. Same goes um, Volcano and uh, Shaman that was actually in the deck that we drafted together. Mm -hmm. That's also something that I've been... It's all kind of similar. It's also removal. It's At some point, you feel like versus most classes, you have a board, and you feel like your board is relatively safe. Like you're against up against a mage, and you have five minions, and three of them have like more than five health or more than four health, you're like, okay, I'm safe from flame strike. I've positioned around Meteor. I should be okay. And then they do their, like, dragon... Uh, dragon Fury. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so that's the, the kind of things now with the like, latest expansion. Uh, after a while, you get used to it. I don't think any of these cards are overpowered, uh, but they're definitely surprising once if you come from a constructed point of view where certain cards never get played. But the thing with constructed is that a card is either amazing or it's terrible. Like either it, it makes your deck or it doesn't. Whereas in an arena, cards can be all kinds of levels of good and bad. So a card that just just doesn't make it and constructed could still be a very strong card, but it will never see play because there's another card that is like half a percent better, and everybody plays that card. And a lot of, and a lot of times in arena, a card that really, like you said, wouldn't see play in 
the ranked constructed, it just is very situational and can be like, oh, this is the perfect card I need right now, <laughs> um, where that, that doesn't happen that much in, in ranked. Talking about that Dragon's Fury, I, the current deck I have, I'm 4-0, and which uh, was with that Yogg deck. So I have nice. Yogg, and for some reason I drafted two Pyroblast, which is so greedy. And then I have the dra- Dragon... I think I, I would advise against that. I know, I know. I just was like, I why not? And then I have um, the Dragon... I think I have one or two Dragon's Fury, because I was just trying to draft things. I was like, let me get to the late game. So... Th- I don't think it's happened yet, but like playing Dragon's Fury and pulling Pyroblast and just wiping out somebody's board just seems so unfair. <laughs> but it's I'm having more fun with Arena, and before I hated that mode. So I, I think I have you and some of the other folks I follow on Twitter to thank because you'd be posting stories about games or screenshots, and it'd be like, oh, I should get back to trying that. And I think over the last few months, I've been more open to the idea, so I appreciate your non-direct encouragement and uh, more recently direct encouragement <laughs> to, to get into that, yeah. to get into that mode. Yeah. I mean, we should, we should actually still, um, still play an arena game together. We haven't, we haven't done that yet. Yeah. I think there's the drafting is one aspect, but the playing is also another aspect. And, uh, yeah, we've talked about that. Draft, and I think that, there's still quite a bit. That would be fun to, to even stream if people are interested in what I, I, every once in a while we'll, we'll play some games on Twitch, but, I don't have that. I was talking to somebody else. I don't really have the skill set to entertain folks while I'm playing. That's something I haven't quite quite figured out because I'm so involved with trying to win a game that I'm not really talking about it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it'd be, it would be definitely be fun to collaborate on on the games. Who do you think is going to win the the championship? By the time I post this, well, it'll already be decided. But who's uh, been impressing you so far? I would have to say surrender. Okay. It's just. I don't know. He's he's. Um, they said that the, the the commentators are saying it. he's been undefeated in HTC games. Like this is like his fifteenth game in a row that he's won. Okay. Um, like from the previous championship and now, and yeah, he seems so calm. His plays all seem very calculated. He never seems to be stressed out about a certain situation. I just haven't seen him even be in slight difficulty. At any point during either this tournament or the tournament that, where he qualified, mm-hmm. he just won everything, and I just can't—I can't even visualize him losing a game. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's where my money would be on. But don't think too much because I picked Colanto and he was out in the first round. So yeah, I picked Orange and I guess he lost earlier today. Uh, I didn't see that match, but so I don't know really what happened. He lost yesterday. Yesterday, okay. Yeah. So I, I've yeah, all the Europeans are out now. So it's a, a sad time to be European right now. There's a the tournament is in Europe, but for the first time in two years, because it was uh, it was Pavel, and then before it was Oskaka. So now it's gonna be somebody from another uh, continent who's gonna who's gonna win. So it's three people from Asia, one from NA, still uh, still on the board. And so I know you, you mentioned earlier. I Maybe mean, we'll finish up with this that you were kind of going for the leaderboard for. Uh, for arena for the month and how how does that work so there's um the arena leaderboards are published every month together with uh, top 100 or 150 uh players in, on ladder in uh, wild and standard and they take um the average of your of 30 consecutive runs it used to be the average of all your runs um now it needs to be the average of 30 consecutive runs so it means that if you play 50 games they will take the best 30 consecutive games and take the average of those win rates. Uh, And then it gets uh, published in the leaderboard. You need to be, I checked for last uh, month, you needed to have like a 6.8 or 6.7 to be in the leaderboard. Right now I'm at like 7.1. But I've been doing pretty, I haven't calculated it for today. Actually, I did some terrible runs today while I was at the HCT championship. So might not work anymore for uh, for this month, but in any case, Arena is its own reward. I was playing it uh, before there were any leaderboards, before there were any anything really for Arena. We still don't have golden heroes for Arena wins, but I just love the they, like the turn to turn play, so I just keep doing it. So yeah, but it's the thirty wins, uh, oh no, thirty runs, and then the average. The highest is about eight, I think, eight or nine, sometimes even, which is insane. Thirty runs, I have a nine average. That's just incredible. Uh, you need to be a little bit lucky, of course. If you have 12 or 11 wins in a row, 
then you could basically start over. Like if you have some bad runs and then you have some good runs, then you could complete the 30 runs. But like I said, uh, it's very hard to do all these arena runs in one month. Uh, it's If you have a seven win rate, it's 10 games per run. It's 30 runs at least for a month. So it means you're playing 300 arena games in a, in a month if you're lucky, which means that you immediately hit your 30 good runs basically wow yeah what, yeah what? but actually this is also i mean you also get all the all the rewards of course it's all the seven wins as soon as you hit more than seven wins you get your 150 gold back so i've been playing almost 30 runs now i've never put in any gold i have more gold now than when i started and i got 30 packs out of it so it's actually a very profitable uh endeavor as well um and also if you play until it's kind of maybe a bad tip for new players but once you get to high win rates it will make you get better because you will see what kind of decks beat you at uh 10 wins 11 wins 12 wins what cards do they play what surprising cards do they play or what strategy do they use and that will also make you a better player yeah and that's one of the also because usually what i would do is play in ranked and get the you know check off different quests and then once i got 100 gold i would buy a pack and you know did i get anything good or yes, yes or no, and then dust whatever is left over. But if you can get to the point where you're getting a decent win rate in arena, then you can kind of start going infinite and build up a collection much more efficiently than just uh, using gold to buy packs. I never buy any packs. Every plus, you don't need packs for your arena, right? For some certain people, like the grinning goat guys. They get packs, but the only thing they care about is their gold cards because now you have gold cards in Arena. Mm -hmm. But if you only play Arena, you don't even need any packs, right? Because all the cards get offered to you in the draft. You could have a collection of zero and still play amazing Arena. Um, so it's funny how Arena is the best way to get packs, but you don't actually need packs right. to play Arena. <laughs> so it kind of rewards you for another game mode you're not really using. Yeah, so uh, but people underestimate just how valuable it is, uh, Arena. Like people say, oh, I need seven wins to get your gold back. But actually, if you don't win at all, you still get a card. You still get a pack. You always get a pack when you, you um, come out of Arena. When zero three, you get a pack. And then you start earning, I think, at like three wins or something. You get your investment out of it. So as soon as you get three wins or more, it's actually really profitable to play Arena. Yeah, and that's that's kind of what I'm shooting for because I'm still very much uh, learning the arena format. So if I get, you know, even three, I'm kind of like, okay, well, at least I broke even. Um, but if you get over that, then, you know, you're getting a pack. You're probably getting 50 or so gold, maybe some dust, maybe some uh, another card. But I look at it as I spent 150 gold to play some games and get a pack. So if I can get, like, 50 gold back as well, it sort of evens out. And then hopefully I, you know, continue to improve and get better. And then um, you're getting a lot more back for the investment. Plus you're having a good time playing the game. So I've, en I've enjoyed yeah. the mode. I, I think it's, I think it's a different way to play the game and you have to approach it that way. I don't think you can have the same mindset that you have on ladder. Uh, some of those skills certainly transfer, but there's a different set of skills you need. And I appreciate you uh, chatting with me about that here today. Uh, it was my pleasure. I'll uh, I'll go explore the Amsterdam nightlife now. Yeah, I'm very jealous. I'm here in the the Minnesota daytime <laughs> as my son is sleeping upstairs. I'll probably have to wake him up soon. Um, well, before before you go off, um, what is uh, the best way for folks to reach you if they kind of enjoyed this conversation and want to chat with you about Hearthstone or maybe other things? How can they find you? I think the best way is uh, Twitter at setfinders. It's um. I mean, it's not a dedicated Hearthstone channel, but I'm amazed that any real-life people still follow me on that channel for the <laughs> amount of arena arena and screenshots and uh, Hearthstone banter that's going on there. That's basically all I use uh, for, uh, for Hearthstone, so that's the easiest way. And if people ever want to play some co-op arena, um, I can add them on Skype, and we can, I can help them with their draft, and we can play together, or I can learn from them as well, depends on what your win rate is. But yeah, I would love doing that. I'm definitely looking forward to that. We'll have, we'll have to do that here in the coming weeks. Uh, and I enjoyed uh, earlier before we started recording that you were uh, telling me about the origin of your Twitter name, if you want to share that with folks. 
Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I'm a I'm a big fan of The Simpsons. That's basically you can hear me speak English now. With I don't know what my accent is. You can't. It's hard to hear for a foreign speaker to uh, hear your own accent. But I think it's not very British and more American. I mean, there's obviously uh, Dutch. That's my native language accent in there. But um, I learned English watching The Simpsons basically, and also playing Final Fantasy. That's basically the two ways <laughs> I learned English. So uh, that's. That's how I learned English. I'm a big friend of The Simpsons. My name is Cedric. So uh, Cedric Flanders, obviously the set part is for Cedric. And then the part of Belgium where I'm from is Flanders. So Ned Flanders is also named after Flanders. Um, the Dutch-speaking part of Belgium is called Flanders. And so, yeah, that's how I got the combination of my of my name. I also, apart from Hearthstone, I follow a lot of uh, Simpsons quotes, uh, Twitter feeds, and things like that. It always brings me back uh, good memories. Only seasons one to ten, though. I don't care about the rest of the series. I was going to say, yeah, yeah the, the show's gotten a little long in the tooth, or it's gotten a little uh, crusty, and it's, I don't know, it's been going on for <laughs> so long. Uh, yeah, that was... Unintended? Un- uh, no, pun definitely un- <laughs> unintentional, but that's funny. Yeah, I enjoyed their early seasons, um, but have not kept up with the show. Yeah, I think that's the best way to do it. Excellent. Well, enjoy the Amsterdam nightlife. Uh, if you do have a, a cocktail or a beer, certainly have one for, for me. And uh, enjoy the uh, rest of the championship tomorrow. Hopefully, locally. <laughs> Take care. Bye.